Welcome to the Unborn Movement by Words to Inspire. We invite you to be informed, to be involved, and to be in prayer. On these podcasts, you'll hear stories from women and men who tell of the damaging after effects of legal abortion, physical, emotional, and spiritual. Such a dark stain on our nations around the world. The ripple effect on moms, dads, grandparents, and siblings impacts not only this generation, but generations to come. We are committed to also telling you through these dynamic stories about the amazing grace of our Heavenly Father. He offers love, forgiveness, and restoration to all who call on Him. We pray that every podcast highlights God's healing grace. And now today's podcast. So when I found out that Amy included in her story was an abortion, I asked her if she would write a chapter for the book. And her book, her story is called No More Hiding. And it's the first story in the book. This is a, a raw opportunity. It's a brave opportunity. It's a courageous opportunity. And Amy does it well. And because her story starts off very interestingly, I'm just going to read you the first line of her story. It started slowly for me. One bad choice, then another, and another. Amy, those are your words. Can you elaborate a little bit on the choices that you made? that you were referring to as you began the story in Unborn? Sure. Uh, choices. I would say uh, the, the main ones that come to mind when you read that, Ruth, are the choice to not have a personal relationship with Jesus, uh, but just to sort of ride along on my parents' faith and have nothing for me, nothing real with between me and Jesus, just, oh, sure, I believed in God and I believed in Jesus, but I didn't choose to make that real. I just sort of wrote along on what my parents, what my parents had. Could you tell us a little bit about that home life that you were oh, sure. part of? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I had a great childhood and a great home life. Um, I'm the youngest of uh, three daughters. So I have two older sisters and um, a really loving home, um, a really healthy home environment. Um, which I think is really interesting as well, because a lot of times there can be a bit of, um, not maybe stigma is the wrong word, but a lot of times we think that women who who choose abortion or who go down that road have a really rough go and a really rough, rough life. Um, but that wasn't the case for me. I had a great childhood and a great loving family, great parents. Yeah, I was, I'm very fortunate, very blessed. And then, Amy, growing up in this environment with your siblings your two sisters you struggled a lot what was your your main struggle when you were growing up in this environment um I always did feel loved by my parents but I had this really um really deep feeling of just not measuring up I always felt like I was never enough um I'm not even sure what I thought I needed to measure up to I just had this empty, nagging feeling of having to be better, having to be stronger, having to be funnier, having to be prettier, anything. I just was never enough. 
on my own. Just being me was never, never good enough. And so because you felt that way, it led you into a path of finding some friends. Can you tell us about mm-hmm. the friends that you chose at this point in your life? And how old were you when this began? Um, I think I was probably about 14. And as I say, as I didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus, it wasn't long before sort of the, the church friends and, and the youth group became really old and boring. Um, and so I sought out new friends and different friends. And um, so, uh, yeah, a lot of the other friends that I found were smoking weed and having the occasional drink. And, um, you know, just in my longing to feel like, you know, I I was one of them, like I fit in, you know, a lot of us feel this in different parts of our lives. Uh, I started making those little choices to do little things here and there. Um, Yeah, one step on the road, I guess. And so it was one choice, and you said to me, one bad choice after another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I mean, like like I said, basically the bad choice to leave that community of, you know, healthy friendships <laughs> uh, and trade that in for some unhealthy friendships. Then the bad choice of, um, you know, caring so much about what other people thought about me, that that's all that mattered. So that led to the bad choice of drinking and drugs. And uh, your parents were quite, uh, had quite a bit of tough love. And so you chose, made another choice that took you out from under their protection. Tell us about that. Yeah. So my parents eventually obviously found out about my drinking and my drug use. uh, And they counseled me again and again, you know, to try to seek help, but I wasn't having any of that. So they finally had to say, well, you know, if you're going to live in our house, that has to stop. Or if you're not willing to stop, you need to move out of the house. Um, and so I chose to move out. So, but you know, what's interesting is even at that time, I, I knew my parents were making the right decision. I didn't feel like I was um, being punished or it was unjust. I knew, I knew they were right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wasn't willing to, to, to face up to that. But yeah, so. So eventually you discover that you have an unwanted, unplanned mm-hmm. pregnancy. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that was really hard. It was, um, I'd gotten really bad. I was really addicted to cocaine. I was definitely addicted to alcohol um, and anything else I could really get my hands on. And I was in a lot of unhealthy relationships and I was in an abusive relationship at the time when I found out I was pregnant and um, I just, I felt like the, I just felt like I couldn't breathe. I couldn't believe it. I, I couldn't think of anything worse to have happen. It was like the end of the world for me. Uh, Amy, I wonder if you would turn to your, to the book and uh, read to us a little bit. She expresses this so incredibly well. And uh let her know I wanted to read. I'm going to get you to uh, go to page four, Amy, where you, the um, third, fourth paragraph, for days I walked around and go right over until the next page. For days I walked around heartbroken and confused, my mind constantly racing. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't think. I felt so lost. I didn't know where to begin to deal with what was going on. I needed to talk to someone. I needed someone to put their arms around me, someone to help me. Someone to love me. Little did I know that Jesus was standing outside the door of my soul, quietly knocking, 
longing to throw his loving arms around me. I had become so lost I barely knew his voice. Instead of listening to his soft whisper, I bought into the lies. He doesn't love you anymore. Not after this. I wanted to cry. I wanted to run to my mother and tell her, but my head was so full of lies. You can't. You can't tell anybody. What would people think of you? You've already put your family through so much, and this would break them. They don't deserve to be burdened with this. It's your mess. You fix it. I tried to stop the constant battle that raged inside my head, but I couldn't. The lies just kept coming. You would be a horrible mother. You'd never be able to stay sober. How could you even afford a child? You can't keep it and marry him. You'd be stuck forever. You would be this woman you detest. This worthless, hopeless shell of a person forever trapped. Forever an addict. Living this life permanently. No, that wasn't going to happen to me. The lies started to make more sense. You only have one real option. Have an abortion and things can go back to normal. No one will ever find out. Day by day, the lies chipped away at my spirit. Slowly, my strength of mind faded and I found myself seriously considering abortion. I knew it was murder. I knew it was appalling. And most of all, I knew no one could ever know. I booked the appointment. She expresses it so beautifully in those words. The struggle that went on in her mind. She had made so many choices now. She was trapped in lies. And Amy, thank you for being willing to share your story. We're praying even as you're sharing it now and even as it's going to be sent on to some others, that there will be some that will know that looking at you today and tonight, that there is hope. And um, so thank you for reading that. So you had the abortion. Mm -hmm. Tell us what happened after the abortion. You thought it would be a quick fix, which is by what I'm reading now, very common. The quick fix, how did that work? Yeah, I think that's definitely what what you know what I wanted in that situation and I think what it is too is it's just a, it's an attempt to turn back the clock you know it's an attempt to to make what happened never happen you know um, so as with most painful experiences I thought I could just bury it down and if I just didn't ever think about it again or didn't ever talk about it again that it would be gone doesn't happen that's impossible yeah, so it uh, just basically began um, eating eating me alive, and I became really depressed. And even without thinking of it or acknowledging it, uh, it just it just sucked the the will to live out of me. I just felt like I felt like I I was not worthy of life. So I made a few suicide attempts, which obviously did not work. Praise the Lord. <laughs> And then we're going to, I'm going to get you to read again from the bottom of page uh, seven. But God is patient, gentle, and loving towards us. And one Sunday, he spoke directly to my heart. I love you. I will not forsake you. I will not cast you aside. A picture formed in my mind as clear as day. 
the picture of Jesus on the cross, his body bloodied and mangled. God saw to the very core of my being, dirty, ugly, and shameful. God has seen me, seen the choices I would make and the horrible things I would do. And he still sent his precious son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. Why would he do that if he didn't love me? My heart was broken and filled with joy at the same moment. Broken knowing that my sins crucified Jesus, that Jesus had taken what I deserved. And yet profoundly overjoyed by such unmatched love for me, despite my sin. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Before the pastor even said the words, I knew I would be going to the front of the church, Mm -hmm. standing in front of everyone. He gave the invitation for those who needed Jesus to save them, to come forward. I went. My feet felt heavy as I moved down the aisle. My vision was blurred by my tears. Forgive me, Jesus. Forgive me. I whispered. As I stood at the front, I felt a warm embrace around me. Tears poured down my face as my nose ran. And with no thought of how I looked or who was watching, I raised my hands high and gave everything over to the one who had never left my side. Over the months that followed, I experienced pain, grief, understanding, and grace. God guided my steps to the Peterborough Pregnancy Services, and there I had a chance to participate in the post-abortive recovery program where I learned about the effects of post-traumatic stress disorder. Step by step, layer by layer, I exposed my agony, digging down deep through the shame, the lies, and the guilt. God's word became a healing balm over my shredded heart as he walked me from secrecy to honesty to freedom. Wow. So beautifully written, Amy. And Amy, it's wonderful that tonight that Helen is on this call with us. And you told me, uh, will you just share with with the rest of the women? Helen is right there uh, on the screen. And so just speak to Helen in front of all of us for for the part that she played. So Helen is the director of the Peterborough Pregnancy Support Services. Um, Helen wasn't there when I was there because this was quite a few years ago. But she she is there now and doing an just amazing job of running that whole part and that whole district. Um, yeah, so it's fantastic. And Helen and I have been able to chat about a few things, which is great. Um, and Helen is now running the post-supportive recovery program as well with a few ladies. So it's wow. just fantastic. It's a great program. It's so, wow. it's so needed. It's so important. So needed. We are coming back to Amy in just a moment, but we're going to pause and we're going to pray right now for Helen mm-hmm. and for every other, who else? Bonnie. Working with with post-abortive pregnancy centers, let's take a moment and pray for these people that are on the front lines for for them to have strength and wisdom. And I'm going to um, 
I'm going to ask Alma Peterson if she would just uh, say a prayer for these. Well, uh, honestly, we just so affirm all of you that are working in this way to make a difference. You're part of our narrative. Uh, many of the stories mention the crisis pregnancy centers. And so thank you, thank you, thank you. Let us um, know when we have, we can pray specifically for you. And tonight mm-hmm. we're going to pause and we, we have one more question for Amy, but we're going to pause right now. And anyone, if you know of someone, even as Alma is praying, if you would just whisper their name, we need to uphold mm-hmm. these people that are helping to make a difference in our communities. Father God, how we thank you for those who are willing to support these uh, women post-abortion and who are working in the, the abortion clinics, Father, to persuade women not to have an abortion. Father, we just pray for strength for them, for wisdom, for sensitivity, for listening ears, Father, all of the things that they need to uh, support these women. And we just thank you uh, and ask your blessing on them. Give them confidence, Father. Just help them to know how special they are and what they are doing for your kingdom. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So for all of you in that, in that line of work, please be in touch with us if we can pray specifically. Uh, movements are always more than one person and more than one group of people. And so we want to come alongside you and bless you in that way to pray for you. So back to Amy. And again, Amy, we thank you for sharing your story. When we, sh- we talked getting ready for tonight, you said that, yes, you made one bad choice after another. But then coming back that Sunday morning was a a different kind of choice. Share that with us. Yeah. Uh, When we were talking, it did strike me when you said that one bad choice after another. And I thought, well, isn't that just how God leads us out as well, right? One good choice after another, one right choice after another. Um, Yeah. So, yeah. um, Praise God that uh, I accepted his gift. (laughs) Uh, and then from there, I mean, it is a process. Um, you know, it, it, it didn't all fall away as soon as I became a Christian. But God is patient. And I think he does it in degrees that we can handle. He takes us a little deeper each time and sheds his, his love and his truth over top of, you know, the pain and the lies. And we go a little deeper each time. So... That's yes. so wonderful. So wonderful. And we're so glad that you've made those choices and, and mm-hmm. are, are coming out and shining. Amy's traveled with me a bit as I've done different events and she'll be doing more with me. And uh, please pray for her. But one last thing. I told you I had one last question, but now this is the second last question. So the, this question is, you have really been quite vocal about the idea of the secrecy that surrounds abortion. Can you just speak to that? Yeah, definitely. Um, it is it is a difficult topic, obviously. And um, it's a very sensitive topic because it, it comes with so much pain. And I think a lot of times we're afraid to bring the topic up because of that. We don't want to hurt uh, people with our words. We, we don't want to... Uh, overstep our bounds. Um, but from my point of view, from a post abortive woman, 
Um, we need those conversations. We need to bring abortion into our conversation, especially in the church, um, so that it's not sort of whispered in hushed corners, but it's actually open in conversation. Um, and I mean, I don't think we need to bring, I don't think we need to bring the conviction. The Holy Spirit does a very good job of that. I don't think that we need to be doing that. Um, and honestly, I don't believe there's any woman or man out there who's made the choice to abort that doesn't already know that it's wrong. We can fight that all we want, but deep down we know that's, that's not the right choice. Um, so I think we can leave conviction out of it, but I do think it's important that we don't hide it. Um, I know for me, I, I, I definitely did hide that for a long time because of the shame of it. Um, and because too, like I said, with the pain that surrounds it, sometimes we push things down because the pain of bringing it up is just too overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And, 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 and just, um, even all of you being here, being a part of this, uh, changes the narrative of it as well, right? Because a lot of times these discussions are done one on one over a cup of coffee or, you know, uh, just, you know, relationally. So yeah, I, I think that's huge. So thank you for being a part of this. <laughs> yeah, it is beautiful. And it's wonderful to see her husband, Steve. He's come along with her on several occasions. Very supportive. And uh, Lucas, who's six, uh, a beautiful family that God has restored Amy, that she could have this beautiful family. Uh, Amy, could you leave us with a scripture verse before we go to some questions? Oh, I can. My favorite. I know. <laughs> I knew. <laughs> oh, yeah. I never miss an opportunity. <laughs> okay. I, uh, Isaiah 43, and it's 1 to 3. So, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Wow. What a beautiful scripture. Thank you so much. One of the criteria in, in submitting a story to Unborn Untold was that there would be scripture in it because it's all about what God can do in a person's life that gives their mm -hmm. lives to them. And so uh, our ministry is called Words to Inspire, Lifelong Empowerment from God's Word. So it was important that a book that came out under Words to Inspire had scripture in it. And wow, that's an over and above uh, scripture. Thank you so much. Now, I know that some of you want to comment and ask questions. Do you have some questions there, Ar Arlene, um, for us? I asked kind of the same question of Allie. You know, it's a sensitive subject. And so how, how do we, how do you, well, it's easy, well, easy for you in the sense that God's already saved you through this and you have a story to tell. And just in telling your story, it will, your transparency opens people up who need that healing like you needed it. How do we, who haven't gone through that, haven't done that, haven't had that in our life, how do we talk about it 
because sometimes I, when I even invite people to come here, I don't know if they've had, or to come to this meeting, I don't know, have they had an abortion? Would that hurt them? Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I think it's a great question too. And I'm sure it's a question that many people share. Um, I think it's great to be inviting people to this though, because um, I just take it from my point of view and put myself in their shoes. And um, it's a very non-confrontational way to enter into the conversation of abortion. Um, It's not pointing any fingers. It's just inviting into a conversation about the topic. Um, And especially, especially when we focus our conversation on the hope, right? And, and the restoration that's, that's available. Um, Because yeah, it is so dark. It's a dark corner. It's such a dark corner. Um, And so it's important that our conversation, yeah, I mean, God's grace is the same for every person, no matter what we've done. Abortion isn't the end all of everything. Um, You know, Christ's blood covers that just as much as it covers other sins. So yeah, I, so I guess, sorry, I'm kind of rambling now, but yeah, I think to invite people into these narratives um, to even, you know, to the book to people oh, I read this great book or whatever um and you know as far as a conversation I think those are more doors that God opens um you know like like a specific you know one-on-one over a cup of coffee those are kind of the things that that God opens up uh, I, I find anyway thank you yeah. great question uh, we've got some questions now and further to that uh, the the book I believe was written with that in mind. Let's get the mm-hmm. conversation going, and uh, nobody can refute your story. They can, you know, argue yes. on the political end, but your story is your powerful story, and it shares so much of what is needed. Yeah. It shows the fear that you had. It shows a lot of the confusion that happens and the lies. It, your story shows yeah. so much, Amy, that, that does open the conversation. Thank you. As we close off today, I invite you to be part of the Unborn Movement. There are several ways to be involved. Why not join the Unborn Movement Facebook page, get involved in a local pregnancy center, or start the conversation in your church, providing a safe place for stories to be told. For there is a lot of pain in the pews. Find out more about our ministry at wordstoinspire.ca or contact me, Ruth, at wordstoinspire.ca. Until next time, I'm Ruth Coghill for the Unborn Movement. Bye for now.